Hello, everybody. Um, we'd like to start our show off. Um, we learned earlier today that Alex Trebek has lost his battle with pancreatic cancer, which sucks. Um, I think he's one of the very few celebrities left that was pretty much widely widely loved. I, I don't think you know it was. It would be very hard to find someone who disliked him, and you know I I sure don't know anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so it. You know, the last we had sort of talked about this, I think we might have talked about it on the show. The last news we got was a video of him talking about how he may be at stage four, but the prognosis was good and that it looked like he was going to make a recovery and that he was just taking things one day at a time. And then earlier today, we learned that he passed away, which is, of course, a massive loss. Um, you know, anyone that's been bored on a Sunday has definitely seen some of his hard work and mm -hmm. been entertained, hopefully. Yeah, and, you know, obviously I saw Jeopardy on and off as a kid growing up, um, and it was always a kind of a constant, but, you know, for me especially, during the lockdown, um, Jeopardy has been something I've watched every night um, as a way to, like, it's just, it's something that's completely unstressful that sort of take my mind off things. Um, and... <laughs> kind of sucks that it's gone this way, but, um, you know, Alex Trebek was, as Declan said, somebody who was universally loved, and if you look at his interactions with, with his fans and, and with the people on the show, um, you know, or even if you've just watched the show, you know that he's made a huge positive difference in, in so many people's lives. You know, I remember a few days ago, there was a, a man who was a, an a immigrant to America, and he talked about how growing up and watching Jeopardy and with, with Alex's perfect diction and everything it, and, and this sort of love of learning that it imparted on him, like Alex Trebek, in a sense, taught him English. Um, and so it's really, um, it's really sad to see, but I think it's, it's comforting to know, um, because Alex expre expressed it himself, it is, it is comforting to know that he, um, he made a positive impact on a lot of people's lives. Um, he was great at what he did. Uh, I don't think there's anyone who's ever been better at what he did. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that Canada lost a giant today and the world lost a, a, a giant. Um, and it, it really, you hate to see it. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, uh, rest in peace to, to Alex Trebek. I'm certainly going to miss him. And I don't think Jeopardy's ever going to be the same without him.
heroic he comes idiot. across. So now that we've uh, made our way through that, um, it's definitely a fairly heavy topic. I think we want to maybe try and look on the bright side. Um, look on the bright side. MSNBC, exactly. okay? MSNBC, CNN, uh, Associated Press, Fox News, losers and suckers, okay? I want to talk losers. to you about something. They're losers and folks, they're suckers. Folks, let me tell you, they're losers, they're suckers. November they're 4th. Losers. November 4th, okay, the Juno Beach podcast tweets out and calls the election for Joe Biden. We called it. On November 4th. November 7th? All those bozos looking at their statistics like, idiot, it was a coin flip. It either happens or it doesn't. All of those n news agencies... Uh, the fake news. They took them the lying, three days, and it's like media. they say Joe Biden's gonna win. Like, yeah, everybody knew it already because we already told them. Stupid yeah. idiots. Um, we are the only news source you need. We are. We are the most unbiased news source. Not only we're the most unbiased, we're the most nonpartisan, um, yeah. and we are the most reliable. Because we, because we, because we despise both American political parties equally. Well, it's not just about America. We do world news. And in fact, you know what? We are better than CNN and MSNBC. Maybe it's because we are we biased. We called it earlier. But we declare our biases in the open. Yeah. Mm. We also called the race earlier. We also so called the race three days earlier. You anyway. wouldn't have needed to suffer through. You wouldn't have needed to suffer through Nate Silver if you would just listen to us. Just, if you would have just listened. If you would have just streamed Juno Beach for clear skin. Yeah. Um, you actually wouldn't have needed to suffer through Nate Silver. Like, yeah, okay. And, you know, them them, scro them scrolling into individual fucking counties in Florida after it's already gone red. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they did that shit for, like, because remember, they did that shit for, like, three hours. It was so bad. No, but the thing is, like, there are wonks, and I would, in a sense, consider myself not a professional one, but, like, an amateur wonk. But... I'm not a loser or a sucker, so I don't have to broadcast that to the entire world. I don't have to be like, don't have to, according don't to have statistics, to Joe Biden will win. No, everyone knows Joe Biden's going to win, so you just tell them. Losers you, and suckers. You just, like, yeah, you, you, there's, there's being a wonk, and then there's zooming into individual counties and being like, hmm... This county has accurately indicated how the rest of the state went. And you're like, wow, dude, sick. Yeah. Hell yeah, because that's that's how votes work. Well, actually, like, honestly, it, it's, in it's America, it, to an extent, is considering how much sway a person from, like, Nebraska has over a person it's, from California. Look, all I'm saying is it's a pretty good gig that they've got going it on is, It is, it is. As a CNN wonk, I like... Imagine being a CNN I, I, wonk and being paid to be wrong every time. Be either being paid to be wrong, paid to spread liberal propaganda, or just paid to just interview like some, you know, like a, a guy that led like Gladio shit in the eighties, um, right? And have him have him talk about you know have him talk about how we need to reduce deficit spending like that. That is honestly the ideal. That is that is the political science major. Dream. You know what I want to do? You major with in my political life? science. If you major in political science, that's what you're going for. I want to be the guy who's interviewing war criminals about the deficit on CNN. I want to be the guy who CNN sends to deliver all of the questions to Hillary Clinton before the town hall. 
<laughs> That's my dream. Or whoever the hell it's gonna be in, in 2024. Um, because for all we know, Kamala Harris will have health problems and die by then too. I mean, you never know. Um, yeah. Don't you dare say manifesting. So, the, so, the, so then we get, so then we get what, like, Ted, like, Ted Cruz versus, God, Buttigieg? Pete's, Pete's gonna have a significant role in the future. Stacey Abrams yeah. might make run. Yeah, I think, I think... Kamala might. I think Kamala will probably run. Yeah, no, Kamala will run in 2024. And I think, honestly, honestly, if Kamala runs, there's going to be a primary challenge from Tulsi because that that's like an anime battle that is uncompleted. <laughs> and I feel like... Yeah, it's like... It's like it's like half it's like a third of the way into the season, right? Where they have their first like confrontation with the villain and the villain like still survives. Yeah, like the, and the, runs the, the away. so well not quite. It's like the, it's the one where the villain um it's almost like god, I hate to say it. It's almost like Kamala is the hero because she just got her ass handed to her but she lived. Right, and so she's now gone off and trained. Exactly, and so now she'll have to come she's back. Gone, she's gone off, she's gone, and she's trained with the old man, mm -hmm. and now she's back. Exactly, she's exactly. Um, and she's oh, had to we're, moderate we're getting, her like temper down and, and moderate her positions. We're getting full libbed up right exactly. now. Exactly. This this Biden victory has me on some fucking, some lib shit that, that I've never seen before. Not me, not me. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. I do think, uh, if we're just gonna continue this for 30 seconds and be realistic, I don't think that Tulsi Gabbard could beat Kamala Harris in a primary challenge with Kamala as an incumbent. No, absolutely but not. it would, like, make me so happy if she could pull some, some Kennedy shit, like what Kennedy did to, to Carter in the 70s, yeah. um, and get, like, 30-40% of the vote and drain the Democratic Party coffers, uh, you know, completely destroy Kamala's public image and make sure that um, she doesn't win the the actual presidential race. Yeah. That would make me happy. Nothing more would make me happier than Kamala Harris becoming, you know, you get this massive representation win on a technicality and then get destroyed in the next election. She's a loser. And I know that sounds reactionary to me. I want to clarify, if you're a first-time listener, we are leftists. We love the idea of representation, but we hate the office of the presidency and we hate Kamala Harris. Um, so yeah, yeah Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris is like that. That would be the the representation of the the first um, African American uh, female president. It would be her. That is the world we're living. Yeah, in. I think it, right. We don't we don't need to repeat Tulsi's debate performance for the like the tenth time on the show, but her her record is frankly awful. Mm -hmm. I'm already seeing the fan cams. I oh my god! Like you're just, seeing like the fan hurts. cams on like Instagram at feminist, and it's like God, you know, yeah. it was so feminist of Kamala Harris to deliberately lock up a trans woman in a men's prison. That was just so pro women's rights, wasn't it? She's she's cornering the uh, the Potter lib vote. Yeah, <laughs> trying to match their transphobic. Energy. And I just want to say before we get into this episode as a whole, um. Liberals stop trying to make Kamala Harris hot challenge. <laughs> like Ben Garrison horny posting on me. Like listen, Kamala she ha Harris. I'll be I'll be honest with you. Like she has a really nice smile. Um and she's good with her makeup and stuff like that. But can we She has she Can we stop trying to have hot politicians 
No more. No more. Beto O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke looks like your average Walmart employee. <laughs> he does not look that hot. Pete Buttigieg, he looks like he a looks rat. He looks like a rat. Um, Bernie Sanders, just real, like, nice old dude. Like, not a creepy old dude at the park, but, like, a nice old dude at the park energy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, well, not a nice old dude, but a kind old dude, I think. is. Yeah. yeah. He just he just goes out there every day and he feeds the ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, as weird, as much as Democrats love to project their own um, dating insecurities onto political candidates. <laughs> oh thread? my god, I didn't even think about that! Wait! <laughs> Do you remember that thread, though? No! The, no, 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 the one where the woman, like, ran through all the Democratic primary challengers and was like, what kind of date they would take you on, and Bernie would, like, according to this woman, would, like, yell at you the whole time and make you, and, like, make you split the bill. Oh, screw off. Uh, Bernie would be the most, like, gentlemanly guy. Oh, yes, uh, only on one bill, please. Thank you. Yeah, Bernie would pay for it. He would tip, he would tip 30%. Bernie would tip 30% and he'd pay for it. Um, let's see, who else do we like? We like Marianne. She just, I mean, she's, she's rich. She's, Marianne would take, she's Marianne loaded. would take you to like, she would take you, and she would take you to like a crystal shop or she'd something. She'd take you to a crystal shop. Cool. You'd go to a lovely restaurant. She'd pay for the whole thing. It would be a great experience. You wouldn't be sure if you'd want to go on a second date. Like, it would be either like, I, God help me, I'm not going on another one. Or you'd like be totally into it. Um, and, uh, she just, but it would be a lovely experience a really, either way. She's just a really interesting character. She's a really interesting character and a really nice lady. Uh, Tulsi would uh, invite you to her, to to her house and she would cook for you and it would be like a really good meal. Um, and you would be struck by how strong her personality is. This is actually us just us coping with the fact that like John Kasich is going to be like an integral part of the joke. <laughs> <Like, laughs> we are like this, this we're inhaling pure copium right now just because we're trying not to to have to acknowledge the fact that John fucking Kasich is getting more nods for a cabinet position than Elizabeth Warren is. This is this is how we Okay, but we don't want fine. Elizabeth Warren getting a cabinet position. Speaking of, okay, but el- she would but invite Elizabeth you. Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren would be a better cabinet pick. Than fucking okay, John I'll sorry. concede that. Speaking of, Elizabeth Warren would like take you on a walk in a park. It would be incredibly boring. Her dog would shit on your shoes, and she wouldn't even help <laughs> you clean it up. I forgot about her dog. Big structural Bailey. Yeah. Um. Cute dog. Uh. But no. So speaking of lib shit. Oh yeah. Actually, by the way, context for this episode: Joe Biden won the election. Hell yeah. President elect. Yeah, live I mean, shit. Look, so I it, that's 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 a that's a good thing. It's a good thing that Trump lost. It's a good thing that Trump lost. Okay, there you go. I was about to say. <laughs> um it's really nice. It's really nice seeing Trumpoids coping. Oh, they are they are they're bouncing between like okay, Hugh was actually a, a liberal psyop, which what? would be amazing. No, no, have you not seen those, t- the people, like, people in the QAnon, like, I'm just seeing screenshots, but it's, like, QAnon people being like, yeah, Q was actually just, like, a liberal psyop to try and distract us and get us to, quote, trust in the plan instead of taking direct action, which, like... What if it was? I mean, holy fuck, that's, that's some, 
eleven D chess. That is that would be so cool. But you know, having and going from that to no, the election's definitely not over. To everything is fake. To oh wow, why are all these mail-in ballots going that are just now being counted going for Biden? So suspicious when it was Trump that was telling people to make sure that their votes didn't get um, destroyed by the Democratic Party, and so they should go in person and vote. Yeah. Well, everyone talked about the Red Mirage, and I will admit, okay, I will admit on our election live stream, I think both we of were, us. No, we were idiots. We look. We our map. Yeah, I was. Our map was better than the lib, like than 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 the, the Wonk maps. Okay. But we did get caught up a little bit in the Red Mirage. I will say that I called Maine yeah. before I should have. But apart from that, I called Maine and Wisconsin before I should have. But apart from that, my map was perfect. We also got really blackpilled about him taking Michigan. Yeah, but we didn't call it. Without we didn't consider. call it. We just said he's yeah. probably going to take it. Um, I think Michigan... I gotta say, though, waking, staying up all, all night that night and then just refreshing decision desk until Michigan flipped back to a Biden lead was really rewarding. Yeah, I didn't do that. That is, on, like, unironically, that is, like, probably the best I've felt all month about politics. Like, I, I whatever, it's lib shit, but it's, like, it's something. It's, it's a crumb being thrown. Okay, did you see that 15-year-old who tweeted out the image of Flint when Flint went red and being like, you don't deserve clean water anymore. Yeah, that was insane. And then people were rewarding I, I've this been person for their so, bad I've behavior. Been seeing, I've been seeing so much of that, though. People being like, oh, yeah, okay, if, if another hurricane hits Texas or Florida, I'm not donating at all. Yeah. And it's like, why do you think these people hate you? Why do they think they think you're some coastal elite that looks down on them? First of all, because you are. Yeah. And second of all, <laughs> because you say shit like that. I also, and you don't, yeah. You don't interact with that with how they're actually living. You're saying you're not going to win a swing state by being like, "Oh, it's the, for, a battle for the soul of the nation." That's horseshit. That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. That doesn't that doesn't interact with anyone's lives materially speaking. But it's the just soul another of the nation. Oh, and oh, yeah, I want to like, clarify, by the way, that a narrative I see. Um, on the left and from liberals, uh, it, it sort of varies, is this idea of fascism. I want to talk about fascism for a second. Speaking of a battle for the soul of the nation, okay? Liberals will frame this election as, or have framed this election, it's so weird to talk about this in the past tense, um, as a battle between somebody who is a fascist and somebody who is not. Trump, a fascist, Biden, not. And then leftists... Myself included for a while, which I will admit this, framed it as a battle between two fascists, Biden and Trump. Biden's not a fascist. And neither is Trump. I think it's very clear, like, it's, it's, one thing to keep in mind when looking at these results is that it is not a battle between two fascists. It is a battle between two neoliberals in a fascist state. Right? It is huh. a so, fascist so state which happens to hold elections. You're saying, so you're saying, ideologically speaking, neither one of them are fascists, but is in a fascist state. Yeah, it's a fascist state which happens so it, to hold is, elections. So, so that's why the idea of a Tucker Carlson Republican nomination is so terrifying. Because then you have a fascist in a fascist state. Because then you have a fascist running your fascist right. state. 
and and if you before you challenge me on this, not you, but because because you know I'm right, but like you, the viewer, um, if you're looking at like what do you, what what do you want? You want the your sort of supernatural ideas of your like nat nationalism. You've got that in America. You want your blend of corporate like your corporatist economics. You've got that in America, right? Like the state only exists at the behest of the billionaires, right? And you even look at at what Twitter has been able to pull off and what Facebook have been able to pull off, like, censoring news articles and being cheered on by, like, liberals? Did that horrify you? Because that horrified me. It was... It, I mean, it was a little... It, it was scary, I will say. As, uh, you know, putting aside the fact that it's Hunter Biden, you know, election season, whatever, yeah, the ability to just unilaterally say, nope, can't post this, sorry. But not even that, like, I tried to, as a joke... I think send you. It was either you or someone else. The picture yeah, of, of Hunter Biden smoking crack while he was driving, right? And Instagram would not let me send it. It wasn't even posting it. It was sending it. And I think that that like yeah. the, the the and this is cheered on by liberals. See, I think I think this was I think this was a huge missed opportunity. I think if they would have campaigned more on the size of Hunter Biden's hog mm -hmm. and his how cool he is all the time, I think that it would have been like. At, it would have been like a, a Reagan situation with the amount of votes that Biden would get. Mm. Like I think, I think Biden likely would have swept all fifty states in the same way that fucking Pim Tool and all those 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 right wing dipshits were trying to call the election for Trump. <laughs> right. I think if they would have just campaigned off of look at how massive my son's hog is. Okay. I think they I think they could have at least gotten four hundred electoral. Okay, votes. Declan. I don't. I think I think, you know, Bernie would have gotten. They've either could have run Bernie or campaigned with Hunter Biden. All right. And I, I think them not doing that was why the election was so close and why it took four days. I uh, am not going to challenge you on that one. Not because I because don't... You know not I'm because right. I think you're right, but just because I don't want to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, so yeah, um, Trumpoids are coping pretty hard. Um, Biden will be the next president if he makes it that long. Um, did you see the video oh, come of... Come on, man. Kamala Harris telling him he won, like phoning him and telling him he won. Yeah, and like I did. that, like baby voice, like the Google go, "We won, Joe." Yeah. Like she's this sort of, like she says, nurse. Yeah, it was really weird. No, no, okay. My my, the craziest thing is, do you know uh, Nick J Fuentes? Yeah. Oh, I one of my favorite things to do is whenever he, he tweets, I post, I reply to him with a, just like a picture of him, but upside down. He, he has been huffing the copium hard. Holy, oh, really? He's like screaming that like Fox News is now in on it. Which if you could get the if you could get these dipshits to turn on Fox, that makes me happy. Like, like if you if if we can successfully defund Fox News and at the well and the rest of the mainstream media while we're at it, but Fox News get it gone. Um, I I think that's a net success. Like, sure, we might be you know, radicalizing people to the right. But at least we won't have to have Chris Wallace sitting in a presidential debate going, Sir, sir, your time is up, sir. Sir, please respect please respect our, the norms of our democracy, sir. Oh my god. I'm right? just looking I, at I think that's worth I'm it. looking at Nick Fuentes's Twitter right now. He just tweeted Oh he's seething. He's seething. But look at this. He he's retweeting a tw a, a, a a tweet from from Bibi, from the Israeli Prime Minister, which says 
Congratulations, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Joe, we've had a long and personal relationship for nearly 40 years, and I know you as a great friend of Israel. <laughs> I look forward to working with both of you to further strengthen the special alliance between the that U.S. and Israel. That is literally every, every single election, the Prime Minister of Israel, whoever it happens to be, Make some statement like that. Yeah, yeah. That is like I look. I very much look forward to working with new president here. Okay, but in fairness, everyone said that. Trudeau said that. Jacinda Ardern said that. Yeah. But no. But so Nick Fuentes retweets that and he says, "Looks like the Groypers were right about Israel." And he's huffing the copium so hard. He has a picture of Donald Trump with glowing eyes. Oh, that I'm looking at it right president now. Tr- I scroll down to it right as you that said that. That feel when President Trump is reelected for another term after being betrayed and conspired against by Fox News, the Republican establishment, the Department of Defense, oh. and the State of Israel. So, um, first of all, I really hope that the... Uh... Uh, next Saturday when they have the one million mega march that a million people don't turn up. But second of all, I really like one of my favorite Nick Fuentes moments was when he did that like eight values test and it like told him he was a fascist. Right, it told him he was a fascist and he it showed up on the screen on the screen on live and then he scrolled way back up. So yeah, he was like, oh, and he started laughing and gave a knowing smile to the camera. But now he's just like straight up coming out and being like, yeah, the Jews did this. He is he's really shit at hiding his power level. Yeah, Nick Fuentes. Um, fucking loser. Loser. And that's the thing. He's a loser. Oh, Trump is... Very sad. Trump Very is sad. The, probably the least loser person in that, in that like ideological spectrum. And so they were all able to line up behind him. And now that Trump has become a loser, all of, like these people, all of them are now exposed as losers. I saw a tweet... Um, or sorry, I saw a, a post on 4chan from some Trumpoid being like, I actually feel really bad for making fun of Clinton supporters in 2016 now. Because now I know how it felt. Yeah. Cope! They are co- they, they are coping. They're, they're huffing the copium. They Because what the fuck else do they have? QAnon has alienated them from every single other human person that they know in real life. Everyone that they, they know fucking hates them because of this QAnon shit. And because of what they believe. And because of the fact that they you know, are ardent supporters of Trump. When he loses, what else do they have? They have to cling on to the fact that, no, it was it was ripped away from him cruelly, and he should be the president. But, you know, they, they kept counting the votes when they shouldn't have. And, and you know, Trump got the most... The shit that killed me was Trump tweeting out about how he got the most votes for out of, out of any sitting president. Right, like because voter turnout was fairly high this and year, and like, there are more people in America. Yeah, so he got the most votes of any sitting president in an election, notwithstanding the fact that Joe Biden obviously got more than he did and more in the places that he needed to to win the election under the electoral college system. But you know, at least he got the most votes out of any sitting president. <laughs> George Washington. So I, I'm very, I'm very proud of him. George Washington got. 28,579 votes. I mean, he's a loser. What can I say? He got 28,579 votes, 15 states, and that's 100% of the votes because no one was running against him. 15 states and 132 electoral votes. Look at that. I think we really need the CIA and the United Nations to intervene and make sure that there's fair elections being held there. Yeah. Only a one-party system that that doesn't sound very. Well, it was actually a no-party system. It was a one-candidate. Yeah, system. exactly. Yeah, we need we need to intervene. Yeah. Um. So. 
I guess the point is, we don't support Biden. Right. We hate Biden. We've been pretty upfront about that. Yeah, no, no, and that's the other thing. We're now free to to let anything fly about Biden. We're gonna talk about that shit. in a few minutes. Uh, in regards to a, a particular congresswoman from New York, um, but yeah, so let's let's talk about the future. Um, so that sort of comes in two main forms, I think, which is like the culture war and the actual physical war, and you know the the culture war has been won by liberals every every battle has been won so far it's been won for so many years um andrew yang went on cnn and got a lot, in a lot of trouble for for basically saying the right thing which was that um oh yeah by the way andrew yang wouldn't take you out for a first date because he's a very loyal husband um he uh he went on cnn and got in a lot of trouble from libs by basically saying that the democrats have turned into a party of like coastal culture warriors and none of what they do appeals to the working class and it's like he got in trouble for that yeah was it just like oh you're hurting by well no 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 this was after the election and you know what it was this it was him going on tv and saying that that prompted that god-awful tweet from that blue check saying uh if you say working class your white supremacy is showing by yeah that that shit ruled that was that owned i mean that is like that is like the you know the don't read marks of except it's now November, right? Remember when there was that whole discourse over, you know, if you're a real leftist, you shouldn't read Marx. Because, I mean, look, Marx, Marx did fail to consider many things, such as OnlyFans. Yeah. But um, I, I think that, you know, it, it's a very solid basis for critiquing capitalism, and I don't think any other sociologist has ever come close to analyzing it in that capacity. So I think... You know, it's obviously, as leftists, important to read Marx. I feel like that should go without saying if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, Marx failed to consider Bellathorn dropping the uh, rate of profit on OnlyFans. Marx, Marx failed... <laughs> Marx failed to consider celebrity Apply, gentrification. Applying, applying crisis theory to the Bellathorn OnlyFans <laughs> situation. No, but no, like, I mean, honestly, sure. I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, Marx could not have guessed... For example, celebrity gentrification of labor. That's something that's very new, and it specifically happening in the sex industry. He could not consider, uh, you know, the internet, and he couldn't conceptualize um, automation. And we, we shouldn't blame him for that. We shouldn't discard his work, because fundamentally, is his analyses were correct, and his predictions have come true. I just think that we are moving into a world that is almost becoming post-capitalistic. Um, and uh, not in the good way. Um, and so, no, you, you should absolutely continue to read Marx, and you should continue to read old people. You should read Lenin, even if you don't agree with them. Like, I don't agree with him on a lot of things. You should read all these people. Because the more you read, the more you learn. Like, reading somebody does not mean you have to agree with them on everything. There are plenty of things no. I, I disagree with Marx on. Um, I would still consider myself a Marxist. Um, or or Rosa. Yeah. Yeah, like, I... Rosa Rosa kind of fucked up on the whole imperialism thing, but whatever. No, Rosa was right in the imperialism thing. Well, it depends on what you're reading. Like, I don't know what specifically you're saying there, but I, I have... I can pull out quotations for you when people say Rosa Luxemburg was a racist because that's just dumb. 
Um, no, my, my problem with Rosa Luxemburg really comes with her sort of theory of spontaneity. I think that her critiques of uh, Lenin's revolutionary theory are correct, and that is sort of anti-socialist. But uh, that I don't think that you're really just going to be able to uh, escalate a strike to a general strike to a revolution. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think you need to actually organize and work towards it. But whatever. We don't need to get into a serious critique. Like, she's still right about everything else. Um, but yeah, so... Um, I don't know where we were... I don't know where we came from. We were just... We're, we're talking about how, you know, old old philosophy can still apply to... Nazis. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, so read these people. and Disagree with them if you want. But... You shouldn't be getting your your opinions from a fucking Instagram story. Speaking of, let's talk about right. Instagram. Yeah, so so this Malcolm, you you sent me this earlier and I was in I was in fucking disbelief. It's so funny. It was incredible. So it was you know how we awful. make fun of uh like the we've made fun of these like Instagram card accounts before. Yeah. Um this seeing the people who I am friends with like this post it was sort of pilling for me but so this is one of those and it's from a uh an account called jewish perspective i haven't seen any other posts and i don't intend to i'm sure they've said some valuable valuable things and and the title of it <clears throat> is this does the squad have an anti-semitism problem and if you have a they're problem gonna, with this post could you they're gonna jeremy corbin the squad ger- so this yeah is, they are very they are deep undercover Republicans. Yeah, so like... Deep undercover. Let, I'm just going to go through this, and we're actually going to read the whole thing for you, because I just, I want you to know what, what people think, right? So the squad, or what at least one person thinks, the squad is four progressive congresswomen, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib. However, consider, should they actually be launched together, and I'll get to that in a second. A group of smart, young, up-and-coming leftist women of color... Elected in 2018, they made a splash because of how quickly they mobilized in Congress and their friendship. Except for Ayanna Presley, she's not actually friends with yes. any of those people. Good, good, very yeah. good. Often considered cool. the future of politics because they reflect a new generation of Americans. They are the antithesis of Trump, who targets them constantly, as does most of the right, arguably out of fear and because of who they are. Young women of color, two of whom are Muslim and one of whom wasn't born in the U.S., they're popular among progressive Americans, they're socially savvy, champion social rights, and they're anti-the old democratic establishment. On the left, criticizing the squad is a hard no. Because of the right's demonization, the left is sensitive to criticisms, to the point of idolization. This is a problem for Jews who see anti-Semitism growing on the left, largely by these congresswomen. Jews, 70%... That is a... that... that is a bold... that is a bold fucking claim to take for absolute yeah and we'll see we'll see how they prove it in a second and it's really funny so yeah jews 70 percent of whom are democrats feel isolated on the left when we bring up anti-semitism we're told that we're racist islamophobic xenophobic and sexist this is especially true among progressives which is worse because many jews are progressive too it doesn't help the right uses jews as a political football because it drives the left further away from it despite rampant anti-semitism in the republican party they sensationalize and appeal to jews fear of growing anti-semitism on the left the squad, this leads to Jews not being allowed to talk about the squad and their anti-Semitism, meaning we can't even advocate for ourselves. Right. So, so two, two slides deep, because that's how you have to measure this horse yeah. shit. But two slides deep, and they haven't mentioned in any way how the squad is anti But we're going to get to that in a second. So, I think it is important to acknowledge, and I think you'll agree with me with, on this, is that 
anti-Semitism is sort of a unique form of bigotry because it actually is kind of not rooted in any specific political ideology. Like, there is plenty of anti-Semitism on the left. But, you know, as we talked about, we had a whole episode about this. It is used as a hammer used to break the knees of left-wingers. And we're going to talk about that. I just want to get into what it says. So it's going to start with Ellen Omar. Uh, they kind of, I don't know if they treat her the worst. Yeah, they do treat her the worst. They treat her the most they, No, they, obvi- they, they treat her by far. I mean, they treat Rashida Tlaib pretty unfairly, but anyway. So, yeah, Eleanor Marr is blatantly anti-Semitic and pushes anti-Semitic conspiracy theories under the lens of, quote-unquote, criticizing Israel. So, here we go, already. Their first, their title is basically saying that, uh, or it's, it's implying that Critiques of Israel push anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, uh, and which means that criticizing Israel should do, be off bounds, which to, could to be, be fair, valid. To be fair, let's there, read. There are, there are, there are conspiracy theories that are used to discredit Israel that are incredibly yeah, like the protocols. You can, again, you can't contest that. Yeah, but also like yeah, like so. Let's see what what conspiracy theories do they do they they bring up. Uh, so they've got some quotes from, from People's Hero Elon here, and it says, I want to talk about pushing for allegiance to a foreign country. It's about Jews puppeteering people for power and, and their slash Israel's benefit. Dual loyalty. Okay, first of all, um, what the hell is APAC? If you don't know, APAC is one of the largest PACs in America, a political lobby group, receives money from Israel has large bipartisan support, uh, notably from people like Kamala Harris, um, and pushes pro-Israel lobby. Anyways, um, also, dual loyalty. I have dual loyalty. Like, so many immigrants and people descended from immigrants do as well. I care deeply about... And this is going to sound so white of me, but I care deeply about issues surrounding Britain. And if there was a Canadian prime minister... That must be awful for your mental health. I am so sorry. Look... Caring deeply about British issues. God. I know. If there was a Canadian Prime Minister who I would agree on in any other issues, but it was like, we are going to sever diplomatic relationship with Britain, I would not vote for that party. Like, it's... If that's dual loyalty, then sure, I have dual loyalties, right? And and then she says, yeah, it's all about the Benjamins. Says Jewish money uh, um, is why politicians defend Israel. Again, dual loyalty politicians. Uh, she is not saying that it's Jewish money. She is saying that it is Israeli money. And the fact that people refuse to to separate uh, Judaism as a religion or, you know, the various ethnicities that make up, you know, the various, you know, ethnicities that are Jewish, you know, Ashkenazi, Semitic, whatever, um, is a, a deliberate choice. Um, Israel has hypnotized the world to hide its evil doings. Says Israel is manipulating and puppeteering. That is not manipulating and puppeteering. Okay. Prof- propaganda campaigns, like Israel Run, are not puppeteering. So again, a stretch. And refer- reference only Jewish donors for controlling her opponent and using Wall Street money. This just is a blatant lie. What, saying yeah. Wall Street money... If, if, if I say... Well, if I'm running for office, right? And I say... Wall Street money, or I guess because I'm Canadian, Bay Street money 
is trying to stop me, and you call me anti-Semitic, that says more about your opinions on yeah. Jewish money than it does about mine, because you automatically just drew the connection between Jews and big finance, and I didn't. Um, so yeah, she proves she believes these tropes and how she demonizes Israel. She doesn't criticize, she uses conspiracy theories, as we've just disproven, uh, and white supremacist rhetoric. This woman is a literal Muslim and an immigrant from Somalia. She, she catches, her replies are like, if you want to make a nice little block list for yourself, it's unlikely that you will see those chuds anywhere else but Ilhana Mar's replies, but just in case you want to weed out your timeline a little bit, Go to her replies. Mm -hmm. Start blocking people because there are some horrible people that love to attack. Yeah, Obama. she's not anywhere close to white supremacist adjacent. And then so yeah, she she also champions BDS. This work was called anti-Semitic by the squad's Ayanna Presley. We'll get to her in a minute. And by the way, BDS is a movement called boycott, divest, and sanction, and it is a movement to provide diplomatic pressure on Israel to stop the occupation of Palestine. That's not anti-Semitic. That is against the state of Israel. And if it was the other way around, and it was Palestine that was occupying, I don't know, whatever, like Tel Aviv, um, you know, because obviously very few areas in that region are actually a naturally Jewish majority, um, then we'd be saying the exact same thing. Anyways, um, so let's move on to Rashida Tlaib. Now this is, read this, this is, this is very funny. Rashida Tlaib is equally anti-Semitic. She is Palestinian, so her perspective is unique, but she still crosses many lines. So basically... So, so they're just saying, fuck it. That whole lived experience thing that we love to browbeat literally anyone we disagree with doesn't fucking matter. Not only does it not matter, but we will just, like, call you anti-Semitic if you use it. Like, oh yeah, she's Palestinian. So there they sort of recognize that... Being Palestinian gives you a unique take, which means they sort of understand what Israel is doing. But then they just move right past it and call all of her criticisms and this unique perspective in itself anti-Semitic. Uh, has written for anti-Semitic hate group Nation of Islam. This is true. Um, but so did Malcolm X. So did, like, a lot of, of people, you know. Like, it's pretty easy to be tricked uh, into being more extreme. Like, just like I was a Stalinist when I was 14... Like, people radicalize, and they become extremists, and then they moderate. She's apologized for it. Um, has repeatedly accused Israel of blood libel. Not true. She posted a fake photo claiming to show that Israel targets children. Photo may have been fake. I don't know, do. but Israel does target children. I watched a video once of an Israeli sniper shooting a child in the head on the way to school and laughing about it. Um... Uh, but also that she uplifts the oppressed. With, uh, oh yeah, so she never apologized or acknowledged hurt. She said she won't share fake news, but also that she uplifts the oppressed, which felt like the opposite of an apology. You don't have to apologize if you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, rejects the existence like, of it's Israel. Like the, it's like the Corbin thing. Yeah, yeah. She rejects the existence. Like, and, and if she did apologize for something where she didn't do wrong, that's the classic thing where you buy into your enemy's framework. And these people are her enemies, and if you were a leftist, they're your enemy too, because inevitably they will come after you and they'll call you anti-Semitic. Um, and and it'll, it'll destroy you like it destroyed Corbin. And they will, yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, rejects the existence of Israel, whatever. That's fine. Um, if I was a Palestinian, I would too. Uh, supports BDS, great. Compares Israel to Nazis. She didn't do that. She called Israel fascist. There's a difference. Um, uses anti-Israel rhetoric in a Hanukkah address. 
that's fine. Plenty of, and you know, that specific Hanukkah address was to a particular sect of Jews, of Orthodox Jews, which are very anti-Zionist. Um, condemns colleagues uh, who forgot what country they represent. Again, what country, not what religion. Um, has partnered with anti-Semitic Mifta. I don't know what Mifta are, are, but I bet it's not as bad as they say. Maybe that looks bad. Maybe I should have said that on air, but whatever. Okay, I'm too tired for this. Uh, AOC is glamorized, but is she really woke if she doesn't care about Jews? Cancel participation at an event. So by- it, it looks like Mifta is some sort of government organization, or not the Palestinian Initiative for the Promotion of Global Dialogue and Democracy. Hmm. So make of that make what, of that you, what will. you will. Yeah, AOC is glamorized, but is she really woke if she doesn't care about Jews? So. One thing I think is important to remember here is that AOC, like, is literally ethnically Ashkenazi in large part. Like, she's, like, not by faith, but by ethnicity, like, Jewish. Um, anyways. Cancelled participation at an event by a left-wing group, Americans for Peace Now, honoring Yitzhak Rabin, an Israeli prime minister assassinated by a right-wing Israeli for his work towards peace. Uh, a Zionist group who uh, apologized for the invasion of Gaza, uh, has actively put off meeting with Jewish leaders, no, Zionist leaders, at multiple Jewish groups for two years, despite many public events. She only meets with anti-Zionist Jews, that's fine, um, has expressed support for blatant anti-Semites like Jeremy Corbyn, again, proven to be false, who has been called anti-Semitic no by his fucking, own party! No fucking way they threw in the Jeremy Corbyn they did. thing. Uh, and has defended anti-Semitic rhetoric around Israel and BDS. Again, not true. So then we move on to the person they like. Ayanna Presley is not anti-Semitic. She's a free thinker who remains cons- committed to her Jewish constituents. And they just go on like, she shouldn't be included in criticisms of the squad. She's condemned anti-Semitism by name, which, by the way, all the other three have. She's involved with Jewish constituents, which, by the way, it admits about the other ones. And she voted against a blatantly anti-Semitic BDS bill in Congress the rest of the squad championed. So... I just want to say here, which is a BDS bill, yeah, I, I want to say here, firstly, I think it's notable that they call uh, two Muslims, and I, I believe Somalis count as Arab, I'm, I'm not actually sure, um, but either way, two Muslims, at least one of whom is an Arab, and they specifically call them, like, evil people, and I think that... It's just very interesting. I spoke, very, I've spoken to, I have Jewish friends, I have Palestinian friends, I've spoken to them both because I sent them this post. Um, and they agree that anti-Arab racism and Islamophobia are, like, huge problems among, um, like, Zionists. Um, and I also think it's notable that the first three, the ones being called anti-Semitic, Ellen Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and AOC, voted for Bernie, or endorsed Bernie, and Ayanna Presley endorsed Warren. Now, obviously, yeah, this is a left-right thing, but also, it's important to note that the three people they called anti-Semitic, the three people uh, they accused of claiming to essentially follow the protocols, like, believe in the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, the three people who they claimed believed in, like, this Jewish hegemony plot, worked really hard to get a Jewish man into the highest office in their country. Like, think about it. Look, there, there, but all of this shit falls flat. All of this right? shit falls it's, flat. It's just, but no, no, no. Listen, it's listen, just, listen. It's just, oh yikes! Uh, you know, AOC isn't 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 she a little anti-Semitic? 
AOC, Omar, and Tlaib need to be held accountable. Um, oh, there, there it, is. it is! There it is, they said, they said it. it! They said they it! They said it, yeah. Let's fucking go! Um, and they pull out the thing that 90% of Jews are Zionists, so if you don't support Zionism, you're an anti-Semite. Yeah, you ask somebody, do you think you should have a homeland? And then they answer yes, and you're like, okay, that means we should genocide all the Palestinians, yeah. according to you. Very cool. I was talking to, uh, one of my close friends is, is a, a Palestinian, um... Her parents were kicked out of Palestine and by by or grandparents I forget which, and a colonization effort by the Israelis. They lived in Jordan for a bit and then some went to America, some went to Canada. Um, and and she told me, and I think this makes a lot of sense that, like I said, that if somebody calls himself a Zionist, I automatically assume that they're like kind of fascist. Uh, and and she agrees. Like and and it, it she says that if somebody calls himself a post-Zionist, that's like that means that they're fine, and if someone calls themselves a Zionist, she automatically doesn't trust them, and it makes sense, because, um, it has been proven what Israel needs to do to sort of safeguard its existence in its current form, which is, you know, dominating that entire region, the entire Palestinian region, um, which is genocide, apartheid, and, and all this shit, right? And it has proven that Israel, in its current form, is one of the most evil countries in the world. Um, so there's no problem with believing that there should be a homeland for, for every people, including Jews. And I, I do, I would consider myself a post-Zionist. Um, but to support, to be a Zionist is to support Israel in its current form, and that is to support genocide. To be a post-Zionist is obviously to support the existence of a Jewish homeland, but not this one. Um, and I think that's where I think the left should be. Um... I'm not a Jew, I'm not Palestinian, so I can't fully comment on that, and, and, you know, neither can you, but, um, it just, the fact is that, like, they beat the right in the culture war, and now they're turning on the left. Yeah. They, they can't be happy, because they have to be the underdogs the whole fucking time. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, I... let's talk about what they do when they win against the right. They lose. They lose in the long run. Well, I'm talking about the culture war, though. Let's. Let, I want to look at this yeah. tweet from our favorite quote-unquote journalist. Um, the not nowhere near the the coolest people with joy in their name that I that I interact with and see on Twitter. Yeah. Nowhere near the top of that list. First of all, I say um, this. So we've got as someone with we've got joy and Reed. yeah yeah. So remember how we were, how, you know, I, I've been saying this to many people. M many people are saying... So true. Um, that the the Democratic establishment will attempt to rehabilitate Trump in about four to eight years the same way they rehabilitated George W. Bush. And how yeah. Bush fighting Bush's re-election was seen as an existential threat. It took negative and one now, days. And now he's trying... And now they're trying to sort of rehabilitate him into, like, back when Republicans were, like, oh, at least he was a decent person, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So, it took, it was the day before the fucking election got called. It was negative one days. So, I, I, I want to do a little bit of a dramatic reading for this. Oh, okay. I say this as someone who has no pity for Donald Trump. There is a pathos to his story. Here is a man propped up by his father, by, well, from day one, by a cruel father, a man who couldn't succeed on his own, 
yet through sheer demographic luck was awarded enormous wealth and power, only to squander both. Trump was the perfect tool for much shrewder and even wickeder men, who dangled him in front of millions of people already primed by right-wing media to be angry and paranoid in the face of demographic change they couldn't understand or control. The goal, get money, get power. And the shrewd men got it. And now they really don't need to tolerate Trump anymore. They have what they want. And the millions they sucked into the maelstrom are already submerged in it, ready to be pumped up with more rage and more fear, with Trump himself reduced to a meme. The machine won big over the last four years. America got gutted, with nearly a quarter million of us dead, and the rest terrified or enraged or depressed or stressed or all of the above. The chaos only works for one group, the very, very Pause. This was the woman who, during the primary, like, savagely attacked Bernie Sanders as, like, two left and said we didn't need Medicare for all. Keep going. Trump was the mark and the ruse. Racism and fear is the fuel. And it's a resource that, unlike fossil fuels, never runs out. I bet she thought about that one for decades. What a sad, sad state for this country. I don't have good predictions for where it goes from here. There are people who still are milking white rage and fear for profit, and they won't stop. They will let this country burn to craft a new villain out of relentlessly inoffensive (laughs) Joe Biden. And of course, to villainize Kamala Harris for daring to be black and a woman at the same time. And so, the wheel keeps turning. May God help these two countries lashed together. Yeah, so, yeah, this is Joanne Reed. She's the creator of all the worst Democratic primary takes. Total, like, hack. Um, she, uh, yeah, she was, like, a Biden supporter all the way through. She savagely attacked Bernie. She tried to shoot down the Tara Reed story. Uh, and now, oh, the machine won. Like, yeah, you did. Um, y- you know, and, and, I don't know, like, I don't even know what to say. I don't think we even need to offer commentary on this dog shit tweet. I think we're just, like, leaving this with you, and I think we're gonna move on. Um, let's talk about the physical. I mean, we don't really need to interact with it. It's just, like, hilariously missing the mark and on, like, yeah, sure, Trump may have had a, a shitty dad, but. That doesn't absolve him of how awful. A lot he of people is. have shitty dads. Um, right? They're trying. They're trying to make it seem like it's not his fault, which is setting the stage for rehabilitating. Yeah, him. yeah. So let's look. Uh, let's move on quickly to the physical war. We talk about the culture war. Um, let's talk about the Democrats, because it has become clear over the past few days that they're already beginning a purge of the left wing. Um. You know, there were, there were, it's basically confirmed at this point that Mitt Romney is being brought on to the Biden administration. Um, and I've noticed a phenomenon uh, on, on you know, the internet and on, like, these forums and stuff like that and on Twitter where people will hold true to their word, you know, as they said, we will vote Biden and we will push him to the left or we'll attack him then, then or whatever, which... You know, I think we laughed at throughout um, the course of this podcast. 
but, you know, whatever, all power to them. And now they're starting to do that. They're already, like, posting their Biden sucks memes. And all these libs are in the comments being like, no, stop it. Give us time to celebrate. Which, <laughs> what? I mean, like, first of all. I've been waiting for this day ever since Bernie dropped out. Let me have my fun if you want to have yours. Yeah. Um, first of all, it proves that they never actually really wanted to be active in politics anyways, which is, like, fine, but then they shouldn't have pretended to be for the past however many months, and they shouldn't have amassed 11,000 Twitter followers and a blue check by, uh, pretending to be interested in politics, because if your struggle for what you believe in ends with getting somebody elected... And if your struggle ends with getting Joe Biden elected... Well, yeah, but even if you agree with what Joe Biden says, if you're like, oh, he's elected, we've won, it's over, you are an incredibly, incredibly weak person. You are the mark. You are so... You're like... You've been played. Mentally, you have no fortitude. Um, If, If Joe Biden can convince you of anything, you're like... You know how in the in the Star Wars universe, like the Jedi mind tricks don't work on, like don't work on most higher minded humans, but like stupider humans, yeah. it works. Want to buy some death I, sticks? So I, you know how we dived into the Hibernian conspiracy on the yeah, I wanted and how yeah, I, so I had an so idea about. I think it's actually later. the Hiber the Hibernian Jedi that are running everything mm. because how how else would Joe Biden be so charismatic and so able to convince people of things? Yeah. He has no yeah. natural charisma. Yeah, he's also it must already be started Hibernian like, Jedi magic. He's already started like plastic paddying shit. Like the BBC tried to ask him a question, he said, "I'm Irish." That was that was a couple years ago, I think. Oh, I thought it was after. I think it was in 2017. Oh. No, I think it was in 2017. I've been misled by information Still, on though, the internet. Um, critical, critical. Support. No, Larper. <laughs> it's a larp. You're not Irish, Joe Biden. You're not Irish. Um. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, you're not going to trigger me. Um, anyways, so... And, and I also want to say, like... It's, this narrative is going to change. You know, we are... We, we've talked about how... Um, you can't criticize him. He has to beat Trump. Was going to turn into... Uh, there's a midterm coming up. Okay. But well, yeah, so already... Was, they found a way to discredit criticism sorted. of him... Right after the election, which was, you can't criticize him, I'm too busy having fun. <laughs> which, I mean, that's far more convincing than, oh, there's a midterm coming up. I'm sorry, if you just want to, if you just want to have a couple more days of, like, making copium jokes about, about, But know, they're not MAGA making shows. copium jokes about MAGA, they're bringing Republicans onto their administration. There are more Republicans on the Joe Biden transition team, uh, by a literal infinite percent, than them left democrats so yeah no i mean if you're making a copium meme you're a leftist or you're like a social democrat you're not one of these blowhard idiots uh on twitter with a drum emoji and your twitter handle or one of the globe emojis which in my opinion is uh the secret signaling device uh that that people associated with epstein people who People who really like airplane rides and Thailand. I was about to say Thailand, yeah. I uh, used to. Uh, By the way, Dolphin Twitter is this is simply the greatest. Dolphin Twitter, Twitter is good. Um, that's how they signal like to each other. It's like their secret code. Anyways, um, <laughs> the it's it's sort of like um, 
like you know how have you ever seen the Manchurian Candidate? Yeah. Yeah. So you know how they like they show him the the Queen of Spades, whatever, and he goes crazy and starts killing yeah. people. Yeah. That's the dolphin emoji. No, no, that's the that's the globe emoji. It's like you see the globe the emoji, globe emoji and you just, hop on a plane. You see to the globe emoji. Well, you see the globe emoji. Hop on a plane to Thailand while writing about how we need to like, you know, hold Mitch McConnell accountable. Uh, no, you, you write that that article about how um, Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell are Washington's new power couple. Oh fuck yes. Um, we're gonna yeah, talk nice. about the Senate in a second. First, I want to talk about AOC. Um, we've had her our ups and downs with her, I think. Uh, yeah. But she's done. I mean, she's the, she's done well recently. She, she is the only Democrat so far who has criticized Biden since he got elected. She has held up her end, yeah, of the bargain, which I really respect. Like I, if I were American, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done the. I wouldn't have voted for Biden, because I when I vote, I like to feel good about my vote. Um, but I I get it, right? I'm not a vote shaming type of person. Um. And her and I's interests align. So I, I get it. But but she said, yeah, like, vote for him and then protest him. And the day after he won, she was on Twitter calling Lincoln Project a scam, calling moderate Democrats, uh, like, fraud artists, uh, saying that, you know, she already ha- she has this incredible, like, external support for the stuff she wants to do, and the Democratic Party, like, stifles her, and it's made her want to quit and just do grassroots organizing. And it makes me feel really good. Right, like, there was an AOC very briefly before the primary kicked off. And that was the AOC, and and even, you know, I have this pretty unique position uh, in the world of, like, following her campaign, even, like, before she successfully primaried Joe Crowley. And it was sort of like... It would be sort of like if you experienced the first time you saw a Bernie speech again, like seeing this AOC. It's electrifying, right? Like you see this person with so much prominence and and so much influence saying the stuff that you want somebody with that level of, of power and influence to be saying. And you see people agreeing with her. And you see people getting mad in yeah. the comments and getting ratioed. And you're taking part in the ratios. And it is the the best feeling. This is this is real. This is real organizing is posted. Yes, honestly. No, I mean, okay. The internet is not real life, as the Joshua for Congress Harvard experiment uh, proved. <laughs> I mean, what if that guy had like what a hundred thousand uh, uh, Twitter followers and got twenty four votes less than a dead guy? Speaking of, a dead guy actually won an election this time around. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, good for, for him. state senate. Um, but so so um. I, I think, yeah, it's it just feels so good. And I really appreciate how she kept her end of the bargain up. You know, I think you and I have both talked about how sometimes she's too nice to the establishment. But I think it is coming clear at this point that it was the sort of... She was being nice to the establishment because she had promised to help Joe Biden win. And now that she's helped Joe Biden win, gloves are off, mask is off. Uh, steel well, hopefully not literally. On. I mean, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully she keeps her mask on. We, we want we want her to be able to primary Chuck. Schumer. Exactly. Oh, that would own. Manifest. Also, yeah, Nancy seriously. Pelosi is running again. She's like eighty four or whatever, but she's running again. She's a loser. And I think I think that she might not make it as house leader, simply because 
Like, I hate to say it. Well, I don't, actually. I love to say it. Democrats ate shit in this election. Like... This should have been... This was, like, okay. 2016, arguably, was more of a layup. Yeah. I think you could argue that have, you know, the Democrats having to run sort of an unknown... Or the Republicans having to run an unknown candidate who was very controversial. I think it was a bit of a layup for Clinton, but... They they should have a supermajority right now. Yeah, no, I mean, so it was, it's funny, this election before, like, it should have been the easiest possible election for both Biden and Trump. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so yeah, like, you know, Democrats are not going to get control of the Senate. We're going to talk about that in 30 seconds. Um, and they have lost ground in the House. Um, and they barely won an election where they were talking about a blue wave, like, a d- the day before. Um, and the, the wonks were wrong, except for me. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's funny. And they're collapsing. And I think that Nancy Pelosi will not make Speaker of the House again. Uh, or she might, but she will not do it easily. Uh, simply because, um, people are looking at, especially the failure to take the Senate, but also the failure, like, the losing ground in the House, uh, not defeating a single incumbent Republican in the House, um, as a sign of her bad leadership, which is true, because it is a sign of her bad leadership, and it's a sign of Chuck Schumer's bad leadership, too. Um, yeah, so let's look at the Senate. So the Senate right now, people are, uh, talking about the Senate, because in Georgia, there are going to be two runoff elections. Um... Because so basically that means that neither candidate uh, was able to achieve a majority of the votes um, for the Senate, and um, so they will uh, um, go. It'll go, go to a runoff, and election. so the top two candidates will go. Um, and and of course, um, if if it's split, if one party wins one and the other party wins one, it's going to be a tie in the Senate. Uh, if the Repo- and if either party wins both. Uh, they'll have the majority. And so these are both in Georgia. Uh, they're David Perdue versus John Ossoff, uh, and Raphael Warnock versus Kelly Loeffler. And these are not looking good. I will just say it. These are not looking good. So, um, one of them is, like, a normal race, and the other one's weird. I'll talk about them in a second. But the normal race, yeah, David Perdue, Republican versus John Ossoff, Democratic Party. So, David Perdue got 49.8% of the votes, uh, because Shane Hazel of the Libertarian Party performed excellently and got 2.3%. Uh, you know what? Good, good for, for him. him. No, I'm, I am really happy with the Libertarian Party in this run. Uh, and I, I said it, I kind of said it as a joke, but it's kind of serious. Like, JoJo is, like, the least loser out of any of the four candidates. Joe Biden and Howie Hawkins had to rig their primaries, and Donald Trump almost died of his re-election strategy. JoJo did neither of those things. Um, but yeah, so, uh, John Ossoff got 47.9%. That's, like, a... 100,000 vote difference, but when you consider that the difference was in the Libertarian Party, most of those people are probably going to vote Republican, and even if you just take those votes out and you just exclude them and assume these people aren't going to vote again, um, then it goes to the Republicans anyways. Now, they have until January to campaign, so we'll see where it goes. The other one was a bit weird because it's clear that they didn't really have primaries, so um, this one was actually a significant win for the lead, for the Democrat Raphael Warnock, he got thirty two point nine percent of the vote, one point six million, to Kelly Loeffler, an appointee, not an electee, uh, the incumbent, who got twenty five point nine, so one million two hundred seventy thousand. But because there weren't any primaries, you have multiple Democrats and multiple Republicans running. 
So after Kelly Loeffler, you have this guy, Doug Collins, who got 20% of the vote with 978,000. And so I went down the list, I added it up. And if you add them all up, um, you exclude the independents, you exclude the libertarians, uh, Kelly Loeffler, uh, or sorry, the Republicans get about 48% of the vote, and the Democrats get about 43 So I guess we'll see how much it's about personality with Kelly Loeffler and Raphael Warnock, and how much it's about party. We'll also see how the campaigning goes. Uh, she's very clearly unpopular, but the Republican Party is not. Um, and I, I, so I, I guess we'll see, but um, it is not a good sign for the Democrats. I don't think they're going to take the Senate. It's either going to tie or it's going to be a Republican one. Um, and that's just not... So 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 then it's still a Republican Senate. Which means so no nothing, court packing. Nothing will, f- nothing will fucking happen. No court packing. Uh, It'll all have to be through executive orders then. Yeah, uh, yeah no financial stuff. It's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. By the way, by the way, I just want to, um, I, I think we're running a little long. Yeah, we are. Here, well, not too long. To We've done up. longer, but yeah, we'll finish it off in a but, second. So, Caitlin Bennett re- recently tweeted, um, all the evidence of fraud must be on Hunter Biden's laptop, which is why the media won't report on it. That is facts, though. That's some, that's some incredible code. There were, the evidence of fraud... From the laptop that was put in before Joe Biden announced his presidential run. Yeah. Before Joe Biden I mean, put out his exploratory committee. That, it just, it's pure cope. The evidence from the hard drive, but, which has stuff from when Joe Biden was still vice president. Just right there beside the, the picture of the M&Ms on his dick. Of course, this is the same woman just, who, oh god, I just did a tucker there. Uh, that sort of pause. This is the same woman who, when talking about how bad it is that uh, the Democrats did fraud and how they're undermining their democracy, unironically wants Donald Trump to be a monarch. This yeah. woman is not. I mean, there is very low-hanging fruit that we can make fun of her for, but you know what? You can just look up Caitlin Bennett. Just look up Caitlin Bennett University Party. And go yeah. to Google Images. Or don't, honestly. Make sure that your toilet's within running distance. <laughs> Um, it's pretty gross. I think on that on that awful end, we're gonna. <laughs> it's end a great end. Here. Yeah, this has been your Juno. Uh, it's been a, a little bit um, because we didn't really do anything last week because we did the live stream for the election. Yeah. I was sick, um, but it's good to be back. Uh, we'll be back at you probably on Tuesday, um, and yeah. So I've been Malcolm. I've been. We'll Declan. see you next time.